Welcome, everybody, to Self-Evident Podcast. You got Mike. You got Massey. And we're here here to talk your ear off again for another hour. Here we go. Here we go. It's podcast hour. Here's where it is. You know, so we got a lot of stuff going on, folks. You guys know you are here to get truth. Uh, and truth, speak truth to power. That's exactly what we're here to do. We are bringing scriptural revelation to issues that are going on today and how you can answer the world by simple things. Right. It's that simple, right? We don't have to get caught up in what the left and the right is doing. We just get caught up in what the word of God is saying. So guys, if you want to be a part of what we're doing here, go to theselfevidenttruth.com, theselfevidenttruth.com. You guys can find out more information about who we are, what we do, why we do it, and when we do it, actually, because you can see all of our events and all that kind of stuff. So, second thing is 1776truth.store. Get yourself some merch. See this, yep. Right there. Is, it, your, is that the socialism but shirt? But that's just one. That's just one. We've got sweatshirts. We've got T-shirts. We've got other merch. We've got, co- we got uh, curriculums. And our curriculums, really, we were just in uh, uh, Jacksonville doing a, an event here, a conference. Uh, we sold uh, lots of curriculums. I think yeah. that was really fun. Yeah, so a lot of curriculums being sold because we're teaching the truth. And, and that's, that's what people want. And they want to know how to answer the world. They want to raise their kids right. So that's why we're doing it. Also... We're on every major platform, BitChute, uh, YouTube, Rumble, Apple iTunes, Rumble, Spotify, uh, Google SoundCloud, Play, uh, SoundCloud, Space. all that stuff. Yes, yeah, so we're all, if you guys can subscribe, especially if you're on Apple Podcasts, subscribe, give us a rating, give us a five-star rating, uh, give us a thumbs up, give a compliment or a comment. If you hate it, please uh, tell us you hate it. We're totally cool with it, man. We're cool <laughs> with it, right? And then uh, let's see, is there anything else? Uh, oh, yeah, we have a matching grant going on. If you guys want to yes. help support that, go to theselfevidenttruth.com. TheSelfEvidentTruth.com. We have a, a very fine person in our lives who wants to match our donations up to $10,000. So you guys can be a part of that. And if you guys go to the website, you guys can click on donation. You guys can make it one time. Uh, that would help us out a lot. Also, we have the Torchbearer Society. Please find out more. Again, go to the website. You guys can see more there. Guys, we got a lot going on. Uh, yep. A whole lot has happened in just a week, right? <laughs> we do a Q&A last week of trying to just answer the questions that people have. Tripsley, and all of a sudden, jeepers, man. Uh, uh, sports teams changing their names, Olympians dropping like you know with the COVID stuff. We've got uh, what, what else? I mean, we've got oh, tons we got of all stuff, kinds dude. of stuff, and we got stuff. So, guys, be sure to check us out. Don't forget, um, you're you're coming to us for answers. You're coming to us for an alternative view. Be sure to check out what we're saying. Don't be afraid to check out what we're saying. And if you see something different or you see something that argues with it, check us out. Say something, comment. We want to have that discussion. So before we get started into news bits, let's do a share drive. Share drive. Ready? Five seconds. Four, three, two, one. Share. Share. Okay. Share. Are you ready? Let's do this, baby. We got All stuff. Right. To, we got stuff to cover. Please comment below where you are from, where you are at, what you are doing, and uh, why you're listening to us. So. Oh wait, wait, wait. We uh, just got uh, a COVID notice on our podcast. Isn't that funny? <laughs> Ain't we, that funny? We have not done anything, and we got a COVID notice. Do you see how crazy this is, guys? You see how insane this is? Unbelievable! But, Unbelievable! But we have news about the Olympics. You guys ready for this? So, here we go. So, you may have noticed that in the Olympics, there seems to be some old COVID stuff and all of that. And well, you know, some teams, their athletes uh, have had struggles with the COVID, and in particular, we've actually found out that. Team Mexico, their pole vaulting team, has had to go to their third stringer, and we have exclusive practice footage of Juan Montoya (laughs) Gonzalez practicing for the Olympics. Let's roll this clip. Jerks. (laughs) 
Now, you will be disappointed to know that Montoya did not make that jump of six feet, six inches. But we still are rooting for him in the Olympics because he has been vaccinated in Team Mexico all the way. <laughs> oh, folks, there are more skits a coming. I tell you what, there are more skits a coming. I'm just telling you. Uh, look out for our next one here. It's going to be pretty fun. But uh, this is what we love to do, man. We love to make humor. And before you start saying, oh, it's racist, I'm Mexican. Okay, so shut up. Right? I'm not being racist. It's satire. Knock I, it off. I do love that Team Mexico had to use a uh, PVC pipe as a pole vaulting pole. <laughs> <laughs> hey, buddy. Hey, buddy. Hey, man. We use what we can. <laughs> so next um, slide number two or number one on the podcast map. Next up. Perhaps the NFL assigns armbands. Is that where we're going next? So the NFL and the NFLPA have come to an agreement on how to force, <clears throat> I mean, approach <laughs> unvaccinated players. So get this. Under the new policy, vaccinated players will also no longer be required to wear masks at the team's facility or during team travel. They will have no travel restrictions. They can use the sauna and steam room and weight room without capacity limits, and they can interact with vaccinated friends and family during team travel. Unvaccinated players, however, will be required to be tested for COVID-19 daily, must wear masks in team facilities and during travel. They will also not be allowed to use the sauna steam rooms, are subject to weight room capacity limits, and may not leave the team hotel to eat or interact with anyone outside of the team traveling party during travel. America, the land of the free. America, home of the brave. You got any comments on this before? No, I just, dude, can you comment on how many people now, like, I don't even know the statistics anymore because I don't even research it, but how many people with vaccinations are actually getting COVID? Well, I know last week we covered a an Israeli study that showed that, what was it, six times as many people were catching COVID after the vaccination as those who were unvaccinated, but had already had it. Um, and there's there's a very low reinfection rate with COVID. But what they're trying to argue is that you don't really have a natural immunity to it if you've had it. They're trying to say you're not protected, which just isn't the case. It's just right. not That's true. Right. It's not true. And it really flies in the face of the science and the studies. Yet, what are you watching? You're watching this, this stranglehold, and they're dividing the society into two groups of people the vaccinated and the unvaccinated. If you look at CNN right now, CNN time after time after time are coming out and saying, we have to really make it hurt for those who are unvaccinated. You see how this is becoming a second class citizen type thing. This isn't going to stick wow. to just the NFL. You got yeah, comment? Amy Pritchett just said in Martin County, they are not providing the numbers for those who have COVID who are vaccinated. Of course not. <laughs> of course oh, not. Why? Trust Why the would that science? Be? Remember when uh, I can't remember what lady it is. I shared it. Actually, some lady from the CDC said, if you get the vaccination, you're free. You're covered. You can't you know, you're not going to get it. And then they backtracked those statements because, you know, it's kind of like remember when Planned Parenthood said we offer mammograms and pap yeah. smear, and they don't actually do it. But they yeah. kept saying it for years. And then the lady was busted. I never said that. We never said we never claim. Yes, you have time after time and time again. Right. Again, why are they pushing fear is because that's how they control people. And by the way. More than half of our population already has been vaccinated. So they keep saying, oh, the numbers are down. Not everybody's been No, over half of our population has been vaccinated. 
I mean, there's all these other things. I'm not a conspiracy guy, so you guys know that. We don't talk about conspiracy stuff. But they're uh, vaccinated. What do they call it? Uh, COVID shedding? I, I, like, uh, you know what I mean? The, oh, what, is that losing the antibodies? Yeah, if, something like yeah. that. If you get the vaccination. I don't know. But there's all these things that are happening. And, and, and folks, we don't listen to Q. We don't, we, don't, we don't ascribe to that stuff. I don't. And I don't care if you do or don't. We don't do that. We don't. We don't. We just follow the word. I don't have any fear because I know my God and I know my Christ. And uh, I've been sick. Uh, before with it and you know what god got us through it um let's see amy said that number is higher by the way she's right a friend who works at the C uh cc told us that uh county commission 90 out of 100 are vaccinated and have it uh uh let's see They're just pushing the vaccine dude just pushing the vaccine a lot of cool comments please keep coming share the video guys we'd love for you to share this uh get it out to your friends also if you know the youtube link get on there and share that as well because uh, our YouTube, we're, we're going up. We're, yeah. we're, we're starting to catch a little fire there. So. Especially as we are using those dangerous verboten words, um, we will get strangled. I don't even uh, know what verboten means. But. <laughs> it is German for forbidden. Uh, as we use that word, things get strangled. So be sure to share, like, comment, because that helps fight against the algorithms. And, and if you have friends who... they. They're more in our direction oh, or they're Clinic. not, go for it. Let them know about us. We we want people of all stripes to be listening to this. So this won't just Come be the on. NFL. Come this on. won't just be the NFL. This is going to go to business. There's already major corporations that are talking about, okay, well, what do we do with the unvaccinated people? How do we control them? Because there's this, this idea that the unvaccinated person is the most dangerous person in society. And that, that seems to be stretching out into the definitions of the two. And you can say that I'm being extreme, but let's look at how the NFL is treating the unvaccinated versus the vaccinated. They're lepers. They're being treated as lepers. You're not allowed to be anywhere near any of us because you're contagious. Do you see that? You see how this is happening? It won't stick to the NFL. I wonder if they blame people who didn't get vaccinated for the flu for the flu outbreaks that happen. I'm just asking, like, you know what I mean? Oh my gosh, the flu! You know, you need your vaccination, and all of a sudden, you know, I never got a flu vaccine. I, no, I, I had, I, I hadn't never, had the flu in years. Yeah, I don't even remember the last time I got the flu. Just don't. I don't. I don't. Really, I rarely ever get sick. Right. So it's uh, it's it's kind of stupid uh, to blame and don't believe the lies. Um, and uh, <clears throat> who was it? Kamala Harris said. That the very essence of loving your neighbor is getting a vaccine. Do you remember that? She oh, said that just I'm recently. It was like three or four days ago. She, and, and I and I and I shared the clip. Yeah. Um, and I want you guys to know <clears throat> that is blasphemy. It's heresy. And don't believe it. The, the essence of loving your neighbor as yourself is preaching the gospel to them and setting them free by the spirit of God and also introducing them to the Holy Spirit so that they might be baptized and then know the healer who is the healer who taught his disciples to go out and heal. So so don't believe the lies. Don't let the world teach you about uh, what Jesus is and the essence of the gospel. The second thing, if they're going to use those kind of scriptures, why not lead people to Jesus then if that's the essence of loving your neighbors yourself, right? Why don't we just lead them to Jesus? And then teach them and disciple them. Is it? Is it? It's 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 called uh, what do you call it? Uh, 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 sleight of hand, but not sleight of hand. Yeah, it's like uh, uh, opportunism. Uh, bait, you know? uh, bait and switch. Bait and switch. There yeah. you go. Bait and switch. And that's that's actually a really good point because so often you'll hear a lot of these politicians use scripture to try and justify themselves, yet they never get into the realm of Jesus Christ. And that that's something you have to discern 
spiritually is, okay, are they using Scripture just as an opportunity? Because Satan used Scripture too. Satan quoted Scripture to Jesus himself. But the question is, does it point back to Jesus, or does it point to the plan they're trying to put That's forward? That's exactly it, dude. When we talk about Scripture, we want you going to Jesus. We want everything about your life to be directed towards Jesus. Exactly. And that includes physical healing. So if you wonder why we're saying, look, pointing people to the vaccine through Scripture is a bit in the blasphemy realm is because what you're doing is you're actually pointing somebody away from Christ to a fleshly solution. Yeah. Do, do, do you remember what Pastor Todd said this morning about being not many teachers? Right. Do you remember the point he said? Can you can you elaborate? Do you remember that? So he, he was talking about in James, it talks about there is a stricter judgment for those who are teachers. And the example James used is the tongue. And the problem is the tongue will quickly start fires. It'll start forest fires. The tongue is so small, but it can do so much damage. And the problem with being a teacher is if you misdirect a little bit, you can do a lot of damage with your tongue. And it is, I, I can attest to this personally. It is a very um, humbling responsibility. Very much and, so. And very much I so. could use the word fearful responsibility uh, of knowing you're in stricter judgment for the things that you teach and the things that you say when you are a teacher. I think the word awesome is right. Awe. If word. you break it up, yeah. awe, wonder, some, it's like, it's, it's, it's something to behold. Uh, Destiny just said Jesus himself was with the sick and didn't push them away as the world is doing now. Right. Again, see, this is contradictory to the word That's of God. That's a great point. Destiny. It is a very great point. And, and so again, Guys, please like and share this video. Get it out to your friends. Man, we are being throttled, dude. We are being, I don't care what you say. We are being throttled on these platforms, which we'll keep doing it. You know, it doesn't really matter to us. But we know uh, truth always wins. And uh, it's funny because, um, you know, as much as we pump out, you know, it's we, we've yeah. been hit here and there, but not not like some. And I think it's too because we're not promoting Trump. You know, we're not we're not Trump people. We're not like Trump, 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 Trump. You know, we're we're promoting the truth. So. How can you gainsay against it, you know? So here's here's what I'll say in, in response to that before we get to the next news bit. I want you guys, I, I want you to do an experiment, right? And we'll do this with you. For this next week, let's start praying, absolutely praying against the enemy in terms of this podcast. Let's see what happens with the numbers when we all spend a week praying for the strength of the podcast, Ooh, come on. right? Because there is a battle going on in the spiritual realm. Now, we're not saying that we should be national all over everything because, hey, we're speaking scripture. But you'll notice the attacks of the enemy and when they happen. I, I challenge you. Let's spend a week of praying and see what happens. Because I know the Lord can come through and you have to pray in spiritual warfare. You really do. Truth. So news bit number two. Guess what, women? You get to be drafted, too. Aren't you excited? <laughs> Don't you feel loved? Our nation loves you so much, they'll send you to the front lines. So the Senate Arms... That's what you... If you want equality, that's what you yeah. get. Senate Armed Services Committee approved an amendment to its 2022 defense policy bill that would expand the draft to include women and forces women to register for the draft. It was approved 21 to 5 with five Senate Republicans opposing... You had Josh Hawley and Tom Cotton, who are among the no's. Uh, since all combat roles are now open to women, thanks, Obama, some feel there was no reason not to include the women in the draft. 
So the last draft ended ended in 1973. Mm. The U.S. has relied on an all-volunteer force since then, and conservatives tend to be the ones who are opposing this. We, we tend to be the ones who are saying, eh, do we really need women on our front line? Do we really need to be drafting women? And what say you, Massey? Do you feel that women should be, A, drafted, B, on the front lines of our military? Um, yeah. I mean, if, if, they're, if they want to be treated as men, like, listen, I don't like the draft period. I don't think, I mean, being signed up as U.S. government property, I just don't think that's cool. Um, you know, if you sign up for the military, cool. But like, uh, I've never really liked the draft. It like takes away your life, liberty and property, you know, and uh, who you are in, in Christ and stuff. You know what I mean? I, I don't like that whole thing. You guys could debate me on it. If you want to, please shoot me an email. Uh, Massey at the self-evident truth.com. We can talk about it or comment down below. Uh, but if women want to be treated as equal as men, you guys know the drill. You guys know the drill. I, I mean, that, that's that's how I feel about it. You want to do it? Do it. Right. But don't complain about the process when it happens. That's all I'm saying. That's so I'll because men complain about it, too. So I'll go two points in, in how I feel about it. Uh, my first point is I don't mind if women are on the front lines as long as they can actually pass the standards and pass the tests. The problem is what the military has done lately in the past, what, five years is right. started to lower standards to try and be able to Truth. get women to the front line. If you can't pass the standards, then you shouldn't be there. Right. Now, there's another part of me that says, why are we so desperate for people in our military that we send our wives, mothers, daughters to war? If we're a strong, powerful nation, we shouldn't send them. We should be protecting them. You could call me a chauvinist if you want, but really what I see is like, you, you women, you shouldn't have to sacrifice your lives for the nation. You are the ones who continue on the future generations. You're the ones that are important in keeping the people alive. It's the men that are truly expendable. And, and war is is really a process of expendable lives. Now, that that doesn't negate the sacredness of, of a human life, but I hope you see what I'm saying. Now, in terms of the draft, I'm completely against the draft because what it does is it takes your bodily autonomy and says you are owned by the state. And the state can decide when your body can be put on the line for the good of the state. Exactly. That's a personal choice that you should be able to give. It goes the same way with vaccines. And they actually use the draft in an argument as an opinion against or, or for mandatory vaccines. Yeah, exactly. And forcing people to get vaccines. They literally said, well, you can be drafted and put your life on the line. So therefore, if you can be asked of that, or not asked, required to do that and sacrifice your body in that way, you can be required to sacrifice your body with a vaccine. 100%. So guys, let's do a little Instagram poll. If you're on Instagram, say hi, please. Uh, give us a few hearts. Uh, tell us what you guys think of the draft. Uh, and about women in the in the military and this whole draft thing. Let us know. Uh, comment down below. Also, too, comment on Instagram what you want to see more from our page. Um, I'm trying to do something new here where I'm trying to do a little bit more different kind of market outreach uh, on what we're doing because each each channel is different, right? Yeah. Uh, YouTube, Spotify, all these things are different. So I, I really want to uh, reach the Instagram people more. Uh, so I got you pulled up. If you guys have any comments, questions, please put them on there and we will read them. Uh, as we go along. So what else is on here, man? Let's go to the main topic. Let's do it, baby. Game standing time. On, standing on his shoulders of giants. So we decided to talk about this topic because we, I think what we tend to believe is that major giants in history 
came out of nowhere and and were just that way fully developed and did their thing and then disappeared off of off of the face of the earth. Yeah, quite the opposite. You, know, but... you, you look at a guy like MLK and we don't think about he was trained and mentored. We look at a guy like like Winston Churchill and we don't think that he was trained and mentored. We just see them in their full development. Now, one of the reasons I wanted to really cover this is because I think you we could all use that encouragement of you can be developed and grown and you need to pay attention to who are yep. my mentors? Who who am I coming under to grow and develop and become more? And I really believe in the old adage that you're the average of your five friends. Ooh. I really believe that. And what I've noticed in my life is it's so true. And as I step up Boy. friend groups, I become more. Now, that's a compliment to you. So <laughs> take it as a compliment. I've stepped up friend groups. <laughs> and that's not an insult to my old friends. For those seasons, <laughs> right? All right, get the shovel out, start digging. Those seasons, those friends were there for where I needed them. But as you grow, keep on the lookout for friends who have achieved more and more and learn from them. And we're going to go through I a couple of people. appreciate you. Me or them? You. Okay. I appreciate you too, man. You're, you, you've really been an awesome addition to this thing, man, and the whole ministry. And we're honored to have you dude you just came back from texas you know you're kind of i did hammering it out there bro look at you he's already doing his little seeking tours my baby's all grown up (laughs) i can't keep him at the home for very long that was totally tyler perry yeah (laughs) my baby grown up (laughs) so let's let's start george mason and thomas jefferson what i find really interesting about this is george mason is kind of that forgotten father founding father He's kind of that forgotten guy that nobody Good remembers, call. yet he was he was described as as such a principled man, Very so, much so steadfast. He was stoic. He stood firm in what he believed in. And I think that was really important because both James Madison and Thomas Jefferson considered Mason their mentor and raised them up, teaching them political theory. So Mason... He uh, was considered by Philip Mazai as ranked alongside Newton and Galileo as one of the giants of Western civilization. You don't get compared to Newton and Galileo unless you have really done something for an entire civilization. So William Pierce described him as one of the best politicians in America. So why is he so big? What is he remembered for? Mason wrote the Virginia Declaration of Rights. This was really the first Bill of Rights written in the states. Several states wrote their Bill of Rights to model the Virginia Declaration of Rights. And guess what? Thomas Jefferson took a large chunk of the Virginia Declaration of Rights and wrote the Declaration of Independence. What an honor, dude. What an honor. You write this document for your state, and all of a sudden, the document that tells the king, we're done with you is modeled after what you wrote. I know, man. So the Declaration of Independence in kid terms is a giant breakup letter with with Great Britain. It really is. It's like, you were so bad, and we are done. And so it lists 27 reasons why the king, the, the you know, Great Britain and the king were just jerks, right? I mean, they just destroyed. And the funny thing is, when you look at that declaration, I'm just kind of going off on a tangent, yeah, but just hear, hear, hear me out on this. The Declaration of Independence, the first thing written was the king has refused his assent to laws. In other words, he stood above the law. And so what that tells me is it's not about taxation. It's not about anything else. It's not about anything. It's about you think you're God. 
done. End of story. It's like, no, you're not. You're not above the law. That's why these guys reference like the Masons and, and William Blackstone and Locke and all these guys. That God is just, God is supreme. Our creator is supreme. Our author and finisher of our faith is the Lord and Jesus Christ. And so that's why you got to really know this kind of history stuff to understand it, you know? Absolutely. And this this influenced also the first 10 amendments of the Bill of Rights. And Mason was very anti-federalist. So the argument that was going on when they were writing the Constitution was, do you have a powerful government or do you not? And the anti-federalists were saying, no, we shouldn't have a powerful central government. We need the states. Basically, they wanted just the Articles of Confederation, which kept every state fairly sovereign. There wasn't a, a real central government controlling things. Federalists wanted more of a powerful government. Mason was staunch against the Federalists. And um, he really, what's that? No, go. go. He, he really made waves in Philadelphia trying to push forward the anti-Federalist movement. Yeah. He did not like where the Constitution was going. He was also the guy who really brought up the idea of the Bill of Rights. If you're yeah. going to give us a Constitution, then you better at least give us Bill of Rights. Yeah, but there was, there was two views of that, right? Hamilton was like, don't do that because there's already 300 rights listed in the Constitution, right? And if we list just these rights, that's what the government will say. That's all you have. You know what yeah. I mean? So there was a really cool debate. I'm not saying Hamilton was right. I'm not saying Mason was wrong or right or whatever. Um, but he was so against authority given to man. He said this, considering the natural lust for power so inerrant in man, I fear the thirst of power will prevail to oppress the people. See what I'm saying? He, so, so I think you guys, maybe we talked about this a little bit, but, um, and you can add to this, please do. I want you to add to this. Like, um, because you had the Federalist view, which was men are inherently sinful. They have sinful desires. They will act out sinful. So therefore we need a, gr a government to, to subdue their passions. In other words, Romans 13, they punish evildoers, praise those that do good. But then the anti-Federalists, like these guys came back and said, wait a second though, you're right. Uh, men are sinful and they're terrible. So don't give them authority and power. Right. So there's this really neat debate that happened at the time. It wasn't about free college. You know, it wasn't about free stuff. It wasn't about is marriage between a man and a woman or can a kid have a sex change? It was how do we keep the people free? And that was because they understood that liberty comes from God. And if we put it in the hands of man, look what's been happening now, even with a constitution that has been misconstrued. Right. That's scary. And Mason, I, I think you could really credit him with changing Madison's mind because Madison originally constitution's good, we're fine. And then there seems to be this development of, okay, maybe we need a Bill of Rights. Now, I think there are a lot of influences that led towards the Bill of Rights, but I, I really believe Mason was a big part of that. And if you think about how people describe Thomas Jefferson, kind of this father of liberty type figure, right. I really believe that came from Mason because Mason was this big influential mentor in their lives. And Mason was very anti-government. Why? Because he was very liberty-minded, right. very the sovereign man. The man has liberty and freedom. The man has rights that cannot be taken by exactly. government. Exactly. And what you get from this whole situation is to kind of prim all of this up and, and wrap it up in a bow. Think about the effects that Mason had in this, the creation of this country. And if you look at the commonalities of who he was or, or, or who his personality traits what his personality traits were. He was a very steadfast man. He was very principled. He, he wasn't full of himself. There's not a whole lot of writings and, and accounts of him and letters and all of that. Um, he, he seems to be just a, a quiet figure yeah. that, that 
shared his wisdom when people right. asked, but also stood firm. Yeah, there's that balance, right? That, uh, you know, men who are busy don't have time to write a book. You know what I mean? Like, and no, now we're so blessed, right? You can be as busy as you want. You can have a ghostwriter to write for you. But back in the day, it's like these guys were so swamped in. Um, and, and I think, too, Mason's heart, if, if you were to see it rightly, because he wasn't so driven on, I got to write these things down, it was, I want to do what's right for the people. If you look at his story, it just feels like he just wanted to do what was right. Uh, bulwark, moral, upright, integrity. That's all that was ever said of him. You know what I mean? And that's that's who you look for in a mentor. That's that's for, that's right? a, that's a, um, Exodus 18, you know, choose yeah. men that fear God, hate covetousness, you know. Good call. And, and I want to I want to round Mason out with this quote from Pauline Mayer, professor of American history at MIT. George Mason was not a dissident by nature. He was a builder, not a naysayer. The man who drafted Virginia's first state constitution and the powerfully influential Declaration of Rights enacted in early June of 1776, whose affirmation that all men are born equally free and independent mm. found its way Come on. with some variations wow. into several other state bills of rights, as well as the Declaration of Independence. He supported resistance to British taxation and drafted the powerful Fairfax County Resolves of 1774. His work on Virginia's Constitution and Declaration of Rights earned him a fame that he, unlike other members of his generation, did not crave. He once described himself as a man who seldom meddled in public affairs, content with the blessings of a public station without regard for the smiles and frowns of the great. Mm, dude. What a man. Dude. Yeah, he's, he's the guy who said, you know, um, we came equals into this world and we shall go out as equals. You know what I mean? To him, there was no respecter of persons. He just regarded everybody equally. That's why, dude, he spoke out staunchly against slavery. He said slave owners were petty tyrants, petty, which means uh, a short, a small man complex. What do they call it nowadays? <laughs> yep, right. Yep. Right. It's like, oh, you, uh, what did Todd say today about men? Weak men hate strong women or something like that. Yeah, it's very true. Like you have to be a weak man, manipulative to 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 destroy the will of man inside to call right. him a slave. You know what I mean? So it just he stood very strongly against slavery and, and he just hated authority that, that man could produce because look what happened dude. civilization after civilization. These guys, again, they weren't. And maybe you can help me elaborate on this. You can actually because you've studied this probably more than I have. These guys studied civilizations past, 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 past and past. They studied governments in the current at that time. Uh, uh, governments that, and their constitutions or their charters or all those things. And they realized, man, we have an opportunity to create something completely new, a system of government where our kids can choose for themselves. This is why they depended on virtue and morality, that the constitution can only be kept by moral and religious people, John Adams said. So our, 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 the frame of mind was liberty can work if we have the Lord. If not, we will regress into the societies that we see uh, now. Precisely. Um, and I'm, I'm going to take the bait and I'm going to nerd out a little bit. So, <laughs> so it was what it was Adams who had studied what 150 different yeah, it was governments. Like, it was it Adams or Madison. I can Adams, never he wrote, it straight, a, he wrote right? a, a, the, 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 it was like a justification of the U S constitution. I think the book was called that something about, uh, it was a justification of the U S constitution or something like that. Yeah. yeah. And, and, what I find interesting, and so I, I was digging up some history for the Constitution course, which go figure. I hope I'm digging up history for your Constitution course, but <laughs> our you, Constitution courts, our our Constitution course, yours, ours, everybody's, I meant theirs. Um, so this idea, separation of powers, perfect example, and and just bear with me. We tend to think that they got separation of powers purely from John Locke. 
and we think Locke said it, or or if you're a little bit more advanced, you say, well, Locke and Montesquieu both talked about separation of powers. But if you go, and which they did, you go back to Greek and Roman history, you'll find a guy in Roman history called Polybius. And he was the one who picked apart the Roman Empire and wrote everything down about the Roman Empire. One of the things he pointed about pointed out about Roman government was the separation of powers. And he pointed to that as being one of the successes. What the founding fathers did was they were steeped in Greek, Roman history, other civilizations. They were smart, well-trained guys. They would have come across Polybius. Come on. Guaranteed, without a doubt, Montesquieu had studied him extensively. And so these ideas percolated down through the centuries. And if you're willing to look back into history, you can find the good ideas to grab a hold of. And that's what our founders did. That's why they were such amazing men. They learned from the mentors of the previous ages. Jeez. Oh, oh that was <laughs> mic drop. <laughs> I didn't expect that one, but that one came through, man. You just like, again, took what I said and like added the legs, the body, the sinew, the gristle, the the muscles. But that's what I'm saying. Like, again, it's, 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 it's the idea that man will destroy what God has created. And it's been happening. It's kind of like a, a a really easy example. And and you guys can kind of, kind of fight me on this if you want to, but why is Reno called the city of lights? And it's always lit. And people are attracted to the light. Why? It's a counterfeit. And people lose their lose their Ooh. homes. They lose their they Ooh. gamble. They, it's avarice, so sex, good. drugs, rock and roll, all those things. And so we go there good. because it's so attractive. Yet if we come to the light, right, it's attractive in a different way because it denies yourself. So uh, man, selfish and business. That's what happens with power. I just want my money, power, lust, greed. That's that's what it's after, right? right? And it's called the city of lights for a reason. And it never ever sleeps. That city never sleeps. That's that's crazy, dude. It's a perversion. To go to go farther with that, everything happens in the dark too. Ooh, you think about a city like Reno or Las Vegas. When does everything come alive? At night. At night. In the darkness. Why is it that our vice and our sin seems to be so abundant in the darkness? Yet as soon as it's sunny out, as soon as it's light, as soon as it's day, we start to creep back into our holes. We we you know we try to restrict it yeah please continue to food for thought yeah please continue to share the video with your friends Uh, take a minute right now just to share the video share share it with your friends tag some people in it get it out there we want to get this information listen you know what what i love is people are like uh you know i just want to learn history and here we're giving it you know we're giving you real history real facts you know real things in a fun setting yeah in a fun setting but i mean it's like this is the time where you can learn you can tell your friends did you know that you know, Publius and, and all these guys, these were the guys that formed this. And Locke yeah. said this, the second treaties of this with Locke, you know, and all those other things. These are things that we study so that in a way we can help you through what, what, what you're dealing with. So we can know the foundation of liberty. Hopefully it prods you to action, right? And the whole idea here at the end of all of our shows is we prod you to some kind of action. Right now we're really big on the local government, man. Yeah. Get involved in your local government. We proved something in 2020. Local governments can shift a state. You know that I mean? was that was really impressive in Texas, and we'll get to our next guy in ten seconds. Texas, when I spoke at the True Texas Project, you guys are amazing at local politics. They Dude, they, they knew their, their state reps, they knew their council members, they knew their mayors, they knew their obviously their governor. They know everybody and where they're at and what's going on. 
you have to get involved that way. You have to start locally because if you can save a local area, then you can go outwards. Exactly. Amy Pritchett just said the reason why they don't come to life is because sunshine kills bacteria and illness. Right. Amen. Good call. I'm okay. And uh, we actually have a couple of his mentors. Uh, first one is Howard Thurman. So visitors seeking advice from Reverend Howard Thurman one day was talking about what the world needs when Thurman interrupted him. Don't ask what the world needs. Ask what makes you come alive and go do it, Thurman told him. Because what the world needs are people who have come alive. Oh, my gosh. I didn't even know that. (laughs) That's a meme. We're putting that as a meme. Send that to Carrie. Boom. Send that to Carrie. Carrie, if you're watching, meme it. Wow. Meme it. Can you repeat that? Oh, my gosh. Let me read it again. Don't ask what the world needs. Ask what makes you come alive and go do it. Wow. Because the world, what the world needs are people who have come alive. Isn't it true? Give me 10 men who are willing and I'll change the world, right? Yeah, that's what, uh, I don't know if it was Taylor or whatever. He yeah, said 100 preachers who, who hate nothing but sin, love nothing but God. Yeah. So Thurman, he pioneered spiritual activism. He connected spiritual and religious bedrocks with changing the society and culture. So he was kind of that guy that, that really, especially for the civil rights movement, was that guy who was connecting spirituality, religion with social change. You could almost call it religious social justice. And before we get into Thurman's own religious views, that's not what we're talking about here, right? Because Thurman had some some what I would consider odd or or wrong views on who Christ was. But what we're looking at is his mentorship and the effect he had on a man called Martin Luther King Jr. So one of the cool things about Thurman was he always sought common ground with others. He was the first to found an intentionally multiracial and multi-faith church. He was the first African-American pastor to travel to India and meet Gandhi. And he was a classmate of MOK's father, and he became dean of Marsh Chapel while King was enrolled. So King would attend chapel service, take notes during Thurman's preaching, and went as far as he would go to Thurman's house on Sunday afternoons to watch baseball. Kind of considered him a a bit of a fatherly figure. Mentorship is going to happen. And one of the biggest things... MLK took away from Thurman was nonviolence and nonviolent protests. And you notice Gandhi was very much nonviolent protesting. And that's that that seems to be an intersection between that idea is, is Thurman was kind of that central player of that crossover. Um, and King's speeches were definitely peppered with things he had learned from Thurman. These were lessons about non- nonviolence and about Jesus. Thurman was really a pastor and teacher to many in the civil rights movement. Yeah. This guy was a mentor. Yeah, yeah. Know? And we have those, right? Like, so uh, I, to me, guys like uh, uh, David Barton and, and Bill Federer are mentors yeah. to many. Absolutely. You know, a lot of us have built our kind of ministries on those backs of those kind of guys, you know what I mean? And, and getting the advice and the prayer and the, and the encouragement from those guys. So, yeah, I mean, these guys, I can imagine how many people he had under him. Right. You know what I mean? And, and that's, that's a good point that guys like Barton and Federer, the whole reason that we can do what we do, because just the amount of time and research and dedication those guys put in, we can build off their backs. And that's, that's how you do it. You follow somebody who's gone a certain distance you build off what they've done and you go farther. And then somebody hopefully will come behind you and do even more. That's the sign of a great leader is you want the people following you to someday be a better leader than you were and to go farther than you did. 
So we also have Benjamin Mays. He was considered a deep mentor for MLK. King characterized Mays as his spiritual mentor and intellectual father. So Mays taught King how to integrate the importance of history into his speeches. After Mays' sermons, King would discuss racial issues and integration with Mays. And, and he really had this back and forth dialogue. And that's something you can look for in your mentors is, can I have deep discussion and dialogue with them and back and forth to learn from them and grow? You need somebody who's wise. You need somebody who can see things in different ways than you can. And you take that in, you integrate it, and you grow off of it. We also had Vernon Johns. You want to tell about Vernon Johns? Uh, yeah, Vernon. I mean, I do a little a little piece on him. Vernon Johns was a a man who was uh, he had like three or four uh, degrees. I think he had like three of them by the time he was like twenty three. I mean, this guy was went to Oberlin College. Uh, a lot of those things. I think he was going for his master's. Ended up becoming a doctorate, having a doctorate, uh, th- that kind of stuff. And um, with with uh, Vernon Johns, he was also a pastor at Dexter Avenue. So he was a traveling itinerant preacher, but then he ended up going to Dexter Avenue Baptist Church, which was the church that Martin Luther King ended up preaching about. And it's so funny, we don't really know much about Vernon Johnson. No. There's really not much said. And I think it's because it I'm not I'm not saying this is wrong or right. I don't think he wanted to because he was he was a troubler man. There was one time he put, you know, you if if I don't know those of you who are of the older persuasion, uh, when you guys used to go to churches back in the day, do you guys remember the big signs that where they would have to put the letters and tell you the sermons, right? Uh-huh. Like the title of the sermon, what time? So they put out there and they put the glass or the plexiglass black, back, back up. One of the titles of his sermons was it's safe to murder Negroes in Montgomery. And so like it sparked these outrages, right? Then he said, let's boycott the white businesses and do it ourselves. So he would use the church property and sell fruits and vegetables and different goods uh, to show the blacks. You know, they, they can do this too, the, the black community. And uh, so he was really a fore, foretelling proponent. One day he goes on the bus. He was very much against the bus system. But he ended up going on it. for There was really no reason given. There was a movie done about it. It was about his daughter, but I don't know if that was the reason. But he goes on the bus, pays the full fare, sits in the front. The driver tells him to go sit in the back, and he said, nope, not doing it. So he basically kicked him off. He said, well, I want a full refund. They say that's what sparked Rosa Parks in December 1st. And, and, and was it 1955, was it? I don't remember. It was one of those dates. I think 1955, I think it was December 1st. If I'm, I hope I'm right about that. Uh, so, And if I'm not, please, please correct me. But um, so he ends up preaching and preaching. So he was there for five years, uh, constantly getting in the face. Of, 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 of the, the, the whites basically and saying this is injustice, it's wrong. The sermons he would preach were very fiery, that kind of stuff. And then um, the, the, he ends up resigning. Uh, in, in the movie that's depicted, it was the board basically that kicked him out or the elders, uh, but he ends up resigning. And so they bring in this kid named Martin Luther King Jr. And then Vernon Johns ended up being a mentor of his. Again, that influence of Vernon Johns saying, no, we must stand against oppression to this 26-year-old young person who was way wise above his years. I mean, Martin Luther King was wise above his years. You, you can't even deny it by the way he wrote, you know, letters from Birmingham jail and how he preached his sermons, how he was so eloquent in speech. He could do speeches at the drop of a hat, dude. He was just so eloquent. And it's those guys we remember, right? We remember those guys at the end, but we don't remember the foretellers, the, the, the forefathers, like, uh, you know, uh, his, his, I, I didn't know much about his, past you know what i mean so it's very hard to tell but vernon johns was the man matter of fact his favorite quote his daughter had it on her desk his favorite thing to say was if you see a good fight get in it that was his quote that was his lifelong quote if you see a good fight get in it you know what i love about that quote is it forces courage it does right because it's so easy for us to look at a fight and say well 
I probably shouldn't be in that one. Yeah, we we'll use that for someone else. Yeah. You know, someone else can do it. Uh, and, and guys, you, you know how we're in this position in our country is because we kept saying somebody else, somebody else would do it. Someone else can do this. I got to go do this right now. I live so broke. I want to provide something better for my kids, which is not a bad thing. But what good is your good thing if a nation is robbing you from it? And telling right. you, you don't have the right to do it or telling you you can't leave your house because of vaccinations or telling you that if you don't pay your property taxes, somehow you lose your property when it's your property. Do you know what I mean? Like, what right. good is your thing if it can be taken away at the drop of a hat? That's not liberty anymore at this point. What's is it worth it for you to gain the whole world? Right. Is it worth it for you to gain it all and your kids end up not having the very thing that you fought for? Right. Well, what's the point at this at this time? This is why the founders, the last paragraph on this, we pledge our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. They put their reputations, their money, and everything on the line so that they could do this and give us a nation that's free now for our kids. And eventually, we're the ones who have to go back and say, okay, we got to put that back in. We may not have the luxuries of our fathers. Shoot, we may not have the luxury at all. But is it like worth it, right? In the end, your, your kids are more worth it than... Your kid's liberty is more worth it than your boat or your car. And I think that's what guys like Vernon Johnson, they never had illustrious careers. They never had money that was up the wazoo. They just preached the gospel and believe their God. Right. Oh, that's good. So let's, did you have any that weren't on the notes before we get to Churchill and Cochran? Or um, you did. You know, I, as I'm thinking, you know, you guys got, you, you guys know my, one of my favorite guys that I like talking about is William Wilberforce and his, mentor was john newton you know like john newton was the writer of amazing grace and william wilberforce goes to this like super intense conversion from 1787 to 1789 i think it was so it was like a two-year conversion that god was putting wilberforce through and you know what's so funny is today <laughs> this may step on toes but like we're like oh he's converted we don't sometimes enjoy that journey or or appreciate that process that he had to go through the sanctification of Two years of wrestling with God. Am I saved? Am I not? Am I this? Am I yours? That two years taught him how to hear the voice of God. So then he goes to John Newton and says, you know, I want to be, I want to be like you. I want to be one of these like monks. I want to be a preacher in a monastery, basically. And, and John was like, uh, no, <laughs> your talents are best served in politics. So that's what he did. And what I find so crazy about that is <clears throat> Wilberforce ends up just like slavery, worldwide sin. I think we can take it. You know, like, I think I think we right? can do this. Like, why not? It's like our founders. Half a billion people, 13 million square miles. We got two and a half million people. I think we can take them. You know what I mean? Like, just that, like, they, they I'm not saying it was that easy for them. They, they wrestled and fought these decisions. You know what I mean? But just that we're going to take this on. And whether God is with us or not, the, the end will prevent. Like, we'll know in the end if God is with us. That's what Washington said. If this cause is just, which I firmly believe it is, he will be with us. He will go with us. And that's faith, dude. Like, that's why it's like not a far stretch for us to talk about. Why can't abortion end in our day? It can. Why can't public schools be taught back to the to the families? It can. Dude, do you realize these people in positions of authority and power are just men like you and women like you? They're no different than you. So what if they got money? God can upend that stuff in a second because he's done it time and time again. Uses King Nebuchadnezzar, uh, Jehoshaphat, uh, King... Uh, 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 Cyrus, you know, he can use wicked and he can use clean to go do his will. No matter how rich they are, no matter how much power they got, God can use that. He can turn Pharaoh's heart 10 times. He can turn us to go walk in faith, right? And I think with, with William Wilberforce, it took taking, what, 44 or so years 
to see slavery finally end in the British colonies. I mean, slavery completely ended and then he dies. But you see his mentors were like, keep fighting, keep pressing, keep pushing. They were the ones saying, look, you have. And you know what? We we herald John Newton as I mean, there isn't there isn't a, a sports team, a funeral, uh, a hymn book, uh, a band alive that has not some kind of version of Amazing Grace. Right. There's not been one person, I think, that hasn't done a version of that song, at least in their home. Uh, we, it's probably one of the easiest songs that we all learn. That song has has been so timeless from a former slave ship owner. And then William Wilberforce builds his life on his shoulders. So we look at John Newton saying, man, what a strong individual to repent of his sins. He was haunted, he said, by, by the thought of 20,000 ghosts. He would, he would see it in visions, the slaves that he had on the slave ships, right? And yet William stands on his shoulders and overcomes this. What can we build on William's shoulders? What can we build on the founder's shoulders? What can we build on... Uh, uh, men of the faith's shoulders, Gideon, Barack, Samson, all these guys, what can we build on their shoulders? You know what I mean? And I, I think it's really important to remember that a lot of these great men were very imperfect men. And our well, next example on. is is exactly like that. Winston Churchill, oh, he was a drunk, he was boisterous, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but one of the major central figures of World War II I really believe this man kept that island of Great Britain together. He's that man that everybody looked to in that darkness and in that gloom, and they looked to him to keep fighting and keep going. Yeah, and I think, too, like, look at every man of God. What's the one, like, you can see it themes in their life, like a David, the, the, the vices that they had that yeah. just plagued and troubled them for so long, you know, that, that just hindered them. Right. And you can see it with kind of Paul. Sometimes you can see it in David's life, just the sins that hindered them. But God was with them because of their repentance. And it's like, Lord, I know I'm flesh of flesh. Please correct me. Please help me. You know what I mean? So don't get hung up on just the little things. Look at the fruit of their life. Yeah. If God can use that, what can he do with you? Who, if you're that holy and righteous, what could he do through <laughs> you then? The, and I mean, seriously, that, that's absolutely right. The, you don't have to be perfect to be great. Actually, if you've been imperfect and you've struggled and you've stumbled and you've fallen, you have a lot of experience and wisdom as long as you've learned from those Very things. wise statement. Right? Very you, wise you statement. You can dude. build on that. Yeah, and it's actually you that he probably wants to use because of your testimony, because people can build on that. So we'll get to William Cochran and Winston Churchill real quick, and then uh, we'll do life lessons. So William Cochran, you might not really know that name, but he was an American— and he was a Democrat, American. American. He was also Irish, very involved in the whole Irish question. Mafia. Irish, okay. right? Yeah. <laughs> sorry, sorry. He loved to drink. What? <laughs> Cochran is said to have had a, a brief affair. <laughs> you see Richard's shoulders going bopping. up and down, just like bopping. <laughs> so, so Cochran was said to have a brief affair in, in that we just meant a, a, like a relationship with Winston's widowed mother um, in Whoa. Paris. So it, his father had died like two months before Cochran had just lost his wife and they seemed to hit it off. So when Winston was traveling through New York on his way to Cuba, he was invited to stay with Cochran as a house guest. And so immediately they had this, they formed this really warm relationship and he had Winston had never had this warm relationship with his father. And so he has this older man who comes alongside him and says, Hey, come in. I'm going to teach you the ropes. And Cochran really did recognize Churchill's potential. He nurtured his ambitions of a political career. 
Cochran was known as a mesmerizing speaker. He was known as one of those orators who could pack the house. He was really known for just giving dynamite speeches. He would give hours long speeches and people would just be enraptured. So the first evening of Churchill's stay, this is the type of guy Cochran is. The first evening of Churchill's stay, 12 judges, including a Supreme Court justice, dined with Winston, his mother, and Cochran. So Cochran also arranged for them to dine at the Waldorf, tour the cruiser The New Yorker, observe five fires with the fire commissioner, meet Cornelius Vanderbilt, and visit West Point. The next visit, Churchill got to meet President McKinley and dine with Governor Teddy Roosevelt. I would say Cochran is a man of influence. And he took Churchill under his wing. And notice Churchill is really known for his speeches. He's known for his oratory. And Cochran noticed and recognized this potential, this skill, this gift in Winston Churchill. And he just, he grew it. Just grew it, yeah. Absolutely grew it. So they would talk at length about all kinds of different topics. They, you know, that, that really good sitting in, into the late of the evening, just having political philosophy, life, questions and debates and discussions. And at one point, Cochran told Churchill, one should avoid scurrility, affections, and can't. What people want to hear is the truth, is the exciting thing. Speak the simple truth. He also told Churchill, with your remarkable talent for lucid and attractive expression, you would be able to make great use of the information to be acquired by the study of these branches. Indeed, I firmly believe you would take a commanding position in public life at the first opportunity which arose. And I've always felt that true capacity either makes or finds its opportunity. I was so profoundly impressed with the vigor of your language and the breadth of your views as I read your criticisms of my speech that I conceived a very high opinion of your future career. When you are looking for a mentor, you need to look for somebody who sees the best in you, yet shoots it straight. If you have somebody that's going to blow smoke up your butt, they're not a mentor. They're trying to get something from you. You need somebody who's honest, truthful, accurate, and encouraging. That's right. That's right. And you also need too that you know, honest is, is one thing, but guys, if we're gonna walk forward in the things of God, we have to be honest with ourselves and say, look, we need people too who can correct us when we need it. Right. Okay. Because like I think we all say, well, I love correction or you know, th- that kind of thing. But the Bible even says that correction is is sometimes grievous, it's hard. So, which means not everybody loves correction. Matter of fact, nobody really likes correction. But we have to understand the people around us, those who are our mentors, those who are with us, need to do that because they see something in us that's greater. So they're looking at our hindrances and saying, if you remove that hindrance, if you get that out of the way, if you quit thinking like this, you will eventually move forward. But that you need friends like that. You need people who are with you in the fight, who understand the fight, and never have a mentor who has not been before you. Good. That's good. You know what I mean? You can't have... I'm not saying you can't have friends who haven't been there with you, but a mentor, someone who you aspire to be, someone who wants to take you to the next level, look at the fruit of their life and have they been above you in that realm? Have they already gone there? Have they succeeded? Have they done that? Um, A lot of my mentors, my board members, you know, they're successful men that I have not attained to, not even close to the level of some of their successes, right? I've not attained to what they can accomplish yet, but I will one day because they're pushing me to that level of, Think bigger, think higher, quit thinking small like that. You want to think small like that? That's exactly where you'll end up. And you need those kind of people around you, spiritually especially. That's why like guys like Pastor Todd, they're very yeah. good for me because they've been there, they've done that, they've experienced, they've made failures, had great successes, had great failures. 
Um, a lot of times when he gives me sound advice, I'm like, dude, that's good. He's like, no, I failed too many times. He always says that he failed too many times. And I think we need those kind of guys who have failed too many times, but ended up not using that as an excuse to stay down. They move forward and now look at them, look at the fruit in their life. And I want to add to that is a good mentor will give you permission to think greater. I think a lot of times what ends up happening is we limit ourselves in our thoughts and our vision and our drive and our direction and what is possible. And a great mentor will help you remove those and help you to see wider and give you permission to start thinking bigger and you move it. bigger. You nailed it. Because you are your own worst enemy. You will tell yourself, I can't do it. I shouldn't do that. Yep, I could never yep. do that. And, and I probably used this example before, but one of the greatest things Massey has taught me is how to push further and not, not say, well, I can't do that. You know, the idea of putting on conferences or making documentaries or doing DVDs or doing curriculums, like when, when I first began, it was not in my thought at all that like that stuff's possible because I saw myself as, well, I'm not expert enough. That was literally the thought was I'm not expert enough. Who would want this from me? And, and the fact is you've taught me who cares? Yeah. You got something to say, go say it, do it this way. Like there there was never this thought of limitation. You need to have mentors yeah. like that who open and expand your thought of what is possible for you. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and because there's so much important to lock inside of people like you, uh, I mean, Richard, my wife, you know, like there's so much in people. And if you're a true leader and you have people under you, you will unlock what's in them. You will see what's in them and you will not hold them down. You want them to surpass you. You want them to succeed you. You want them to be smarter than you. I think it was Shaquille O'Neal. I took this quote from him. He said, uh, the, 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 the only way I became worth $400 million, this isn't about money. It's just his quote. I'm worth almost a half a billion, a half a billion dollars is because I surrounded myself with people smarter than me. <laughs> That's right. it. And so they took it, you know, and again, look at, look at the heroes of the faith, Bill Federer. I mean, again, dear, I ask him a lot. Hey, can I use your, your works on this? Can I try this? Can I do that? He always says, yes, go for it. I want you to do it. You know, I asked him, I was like, you know, if I write a book, he's like, plagiarize my stuff. He told me one time, and I, I'm not saying to do that, but he's saying, dude, that's all books are is like a work of another work, you know, right. in reality. So he just, it just that, that encouragement of take my stuff. That's why we say it every, at least for me, I know you probably do it too at every conference. There's no copyrights on this stuff. Yeah. You could probably do it better than I can. You know, right. I know for me, I'm scatterbrained when I'm, you see it on the podcast. I'm pretty scatterbrained. I shoot and I'm trying to calm down. I'm trying to calm down and not be so scatterbrained and talk normal where I'm slowing down and like people are understanding. But there's people that can articulate these positions way better than I can. You research better than I do. You you see things deeper and philosophical than I do. I see things as very simple. Two plus two to me is really four. You know what I mean? You'll give me the reasons why two plus two is four. I don't give a crap. Two plus two is four. Let's get this done. Let's move. So I'm more of that energetic get people excited, get them into it, get them in the fight. Uh, the, the William Wallace's, you know, who's riding on a horse and just get them. You're that guy who's forming the team, who's teaching the team, who's guiding the team. You know what I mean? And I'm moving, you know, so like it just, our callings are, are good and respected and different. And if we have those people around us, Nancy Benavides is on one of those people who just, they've seen it, they've done it. They right. know it. they speak life into you and, and they pray for you and they have vision with you. And they want your vision to succeed, all those things, you know? So, I mean, just that's the kind of leaders and mentors you want. Don't be swayed by people who think they're mentors because look at the the only litmus you have is look at the fruit of their life. Right. Look right. at the fruit of their life. That's it. Because fruit speaks. Right. 
you know, a, a, an orange tree is an orange tree because it's an orange tree because it has oranges. And, you know what I mean? And that's that's a big lesson to take away. A bad tree cannot produce good fruit. Come on, and bro. A good Scripture. tree cannot Amen. produce bad fruit. And if you were in Texas, you saw my socialism presentations, you'll remember. Go back to who Marx was as a person and look at his fruit. Then decide whether died you want alone? to follow that philosophy. Was it he died alone, died empty? Oh, oh fully, it was terrible, fully dude. in debt. All of his kids ended up dying. Uh, two daughters, suicide packs. Um, his wife was miserable until she died. It just, anyways. Terrible, yeah. Um, so, so let's 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 go on this last part. You know, life lessons. Life lessons. I, I think, let's do it. I think uh, for for the last part of this is life lessons. I, I we like doing this because we're hoping to give encouragement, faith, uh, you know, and, and and something to you to chew on so that you guys can go forward with it. I, I I think one of the lessons you learn over time is God is faithful. This is such an easy thing, but hear out what I'm saying. I think probably three years ago at the position I'm at right now, I'd be really frustrated with how come we're not moving forward some things? How come we're not growing here? How come we don't have this? How come we don't have that? And I think last year really took this mick out of me. Like the, 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 I'm the one driving the horse to get us to the finish line instead of letting the horse run its race. Do you know what I mean? And if you watch the movie secretariat, I'm getting to a point there's that point where the, the the owner of the horse says, just let him run his race. Just let him do it. He knows how to do it. You don't have to drive him. You have to drill him. You have to be mean. Just let him run his race. At some point, we have to let God fight the battle for you. At some guy, some point, we can't trying to we can't keep trying to push God to win our battles for us. We got to let God do what he does. And I'm so glad we're not at the position I wanted to be three years ago because we weren't Ooh. ready. Right. We were not ready. We weren't right. ready financially. We weren't ready as far as our look and our podcast right now. Uh, we weren't ready as far as our, our what, what we have coming up as far as our curriculums right. and courses. We weren't ready as far as our website. We weren't ready as far as like my kids, being able to be with my kids. Sometimes God won't answer those prayers because he sees the vision. He sees the heart. He gave it to you, but he's preparing you. And if you're willing to submit to that and trust that cross that he put in front of you, and if you would just submit and bow to it, and just embrace the cross. You watch him move. When you die to yourself, and we're actually, oh, I can't, I can't. But we're going to preach on that here very soon uh, about the slain. He breathes life on the slain. You know, so like those who were slain, those who were taken, those who were cut, those who were defeated in battle, that's who God breathes life on. And so I, I hope this encourages you that just because you're not getting the answer now doesn't mean he's not answering. He actually is answering. He's just preparing you to receive that blessing. He's preparing you to receive that promise or that ministry or that thing. You know what I mean? That you're going for. He's just killing you inside so that you don't have anything to boast about when you have it. You know, that, that leads perfectly into my life lesson. Um, and I believe it was you, I was discussing this with. So a couple of weeks ago I was in church and my prayer with the Lord during service was really Lord send me. Is it you? What? I, I want I want to do it all for you. I I want to be one of those ones that changes the world for you. But there was a caveat that I threw in my prayer that that breaks my heart that I threw this in. But I was like, I'll only go as long as you promise to protect my family. Oh, I remember this conversation. And what I quickly realized about that prayer was I was wrong to do that. Now you may say, well, why you want your family to be protected? True. Absolutely, I do. But what I'm telling the Lord is, I'll only do what you want me to, as long as you do what I want you to. Oh, gosh. 
Now, does that mean I'm Ooh. truly dying to myself and sacrificing myself for what the Lord has? Dude. Or does it mean I'm trying to put in Dude. caveats to protect what I really love Dude. so that then, hey, okay, I'm good. Now I'll do it. And, and I really repented of that. And I said, you know what, Lord? Whatever you require of me, I trust you. That's a much different prayer. I trust you because guess what? My family is loved by the Lord more than I love them. Wow. And I can't, I cannot put them up on the pedestal and try to protect them from the Lord. I have to be willing to say, Lord, they're yours. Send me to do what you want me to do. Let's change the world, Lord. Anything you require of me, so be it. And I have to trust the Lord and I have to pray fervently for their protection. But I ultimately have to trust the Lord that he will do what he needs to do, both with me and my family. And I'm not telling you, you have to be this dramatic. But what I'm saying is be very careful of what conditions you put on when you're asking the Lord to send you. Because it's very easy to slip in conditions of, okay, well, I'll do this as long as you do that. I'll do this as long as you protect Dude, this. Nailed it. And and something so very dear to me, I had to put up on the altar and say, you know what, Lord? This is yours. Just like Abraham did. Oh. Just like Abraham did with his son Isaac. Oh, God. Oh, God, dude. Be willing to put your son on the altar. Because you have to trust the Lord that he has your family or your son's best interest. So that's my lesson. Oh, well, <laughs> you know, dude, but it's that right there that really, um, you know, that, that's a, that's personal to him. That's personal to him. Um, we don't, we don't, we don't often know why God does what he does. We don't know why he's called us to this, why our kids were kind of thrown in the fire with us, why our family was, but <clears throat> if he was able to pull a ram out of the bushes. Right. He can spare too. You know what I mean? And I think that we're no we're no greater than 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 anyone else in scripture who lost families or anything like that. But we just trust and and what I'm going to say too as a parent, right? Then I'll, I'll tell you from experience. Your kids will see the Lord now not through your eyes, but they'll see it through action now. What a time to be alive for our kids, right? To show right. them Christ that their prayers can actually be heard by the God of heaven because of how evil it is out there, because of how dangerous it is out there, because of how much evil can hit them. It's so quick, right? But now God can answer their prayers. God can teach us how to be real fathers. I was never, and I'm not saying this about my dad in a bad way. He was a pastor. He did great. I mean, he preached to us, He all that stuff. He did his best to raise us. But I don't know what it's like to be blessed by a father because he didn't know how to do it himself. Nobody ever did it for him. I now know what it's like to bless my son when I pray for him and I bless him with the blessings of heaven, the blessings and the anointing you gave me, Lord, let it fall on them a hundredfold, let it fall on them, which means greater attack, which means greater reward, right? All those things. So, you know, this is a time for us to be dads and mentors and fathers. This is a time for us to be mentors and fathers to people in churches. This is a time for us to do what is right. And so sometimes we think we're putting them on the altar because we're leaving them behind. No, 
We're leaving them in the hands of God now. They're your kids, Lord. They're not my kids. I will just steward them well as best I can. And how much more that frees you up to be able to do what the Lord's asked you to do. Doesn't it, dude? It really does. It really frees you up to go do what you're called to do and say, Lord, I trust that you have them in tow. I trust you have them with me. Tell me what to say to them and I'll do it. I do this with prayer a lot. Lord, teach me how to love my wife the way you love her. Teach me how to love her, right? With that love, that everlasting love. Teach her, Father, how to how to love me, you know, and all those things so that we're not we're not trying in, in the flesh to make our marriage happen. That we're, you know, our boys, we're not trying in the flesh to make our boys be solid, foundational, uh, driven men who have businesses and they're full of integrity. No, Lord, you created in them something special. Each one of the boys, your boy is something special. They're called to do something different. Lord, help us teach them that calling. So when they walk in it, they're not walking in it as, oh, I didn't know. No, they're prepared for the war. They're prepared for the fight, right? Amen. Dude, what a beautiful, that was, Amen. I should have just shut up. Dang up. No. So guys, listen, if you guys want to support us again, go to theselfevidenttruth.com. That was heavy, bro. That was good. <laughs> that was good. Um, the Torchbearer Society is something we're plugging right now because we need your help. We're trying to find another uh, 100 people to donate at least 25 to $50 a month to cover our expenses. 100 people. It's not, it's not a lot. You want to be one of those people? Sign up. Get on there. Uh, become a torchbearer. Go on theselfevidenttruth.com. Be a piece of us. Now, we're putting together a campaign for all of our torchbearers right now of what we can give them because we've never uh, – it's that with them, right? What's in it for me? Um, we're, we're, we're working on that right now. When you're kind of a ministry like us where we don't, we don't, uh, we don't, we don't take profit, it's not like that. It's tricky to say, we'll give everything away. It's hard because then we got to go out and sell and all these things. But we're putting something together for you guys who are torchbearers, and we love you. And we're thinking about – we're not thinking. We're actually doing this with exclusive content, blogs, mm-hmm. uh, all these things. We may have another side podcast that I'll reveal later to those who are torchbearers. Uh, it's going to be a separate thing that we do that's going to be really fun uh, if you become a part of this. So be, be a part of it. Again, another 100 people at, at 25 to $50 a month. You guys can seriously help us reach this generation, reach the pastors, reach those who need it with the truth. Because again, we reach one pastor, that's his congregation that'll go out and do. One pastor and their congregation can go. You know what I mean? So that's what you're sowing into here when you're a part of our field, right? And we're blessing you and we're praying for you. Those who support us now, we bless and pray for you. We we honor you. We, We ask God to prosper your way because that's what our God does, right? Also too, go to the 1776truth.store and get yourself some merch, man. Get yourself some merch. That helps support our ministry as well. Uh, I'm excited to say in January we'll have our new Constitution course out. That's fun. Mikey over here is working tirelessly on that. We're really excited about that. Um, again, there's more stuff coming out. I, mean, yeah. I don't know what else to say, but there's more. More and more. Right more and more. So, guys, don't forget to check us out on all the major platforms. Do not forget we will be back Sunday, 7 p.m., with another episode of the self-evident podcast so until then we love you guys so much thank you have a great night love you guys